Thank you. Uh, I also wanted to thank the Gaines family. Thank you for uh, that awesome testimony. I was just writing down tons of quotes. Whoever does not know a God who is hidden in suffering does not know God at all, right? And so thank you. Pastor Gaines is the pastor of Mana Bible Baptist Church in Park Heights. And so uh, we are grateful to have him uh, and his lovely wife share today. Uh, we, uh, without any delay, we're going to introduce Shylin. So Shylin is a church planner who had the privilege of helping plant Risen Christ Fellowship in Philadelphia, his hometown, in September 2015. Uh, before that, he did a pastoral internship uh, at Capitol Hill Baptist Church um, in Washington, D.C., after which he served two years as an elder at Del Rey Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Shy is also a recording artist and has released seven, um, seven albums with Lamp Mode Recordings. Last one called Still Jesus. Listen to it. Bless yourself. Um, he is happily married to Blair and he has three wonderful children. Uh, Sage, Maya, and Ezra. Please welcome um, Shy Lynn to the stage. All right. Good afternoon. Is the mic on? Mic check. We good? Okay. Well, it's uh, a privilege to be able to join with you this afternoon and share <clears throat> the Word of God. For our time, we're going to be considering the necessity of Scripture. The necessity of Scripture. And uh, we're going to be looking at or taking this time to consider Psalm 119, verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. I'm going to go ahead and read the verse and then lead us in prayer. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I'll read it again. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you. Lord, we know that there is nothing in this world that compares to the word of God. We thank you that you have not left us on our own to try to figure things out and grope in the darkness. But Lord, you have given us the scriptures. We pray that you would be glorified as your word is proclaimed this afternoon. And we pray that in our time, the Spirit of God would use the Word of God to reveal the Son of God. And we pray that you would do this for the glory of your beautiful name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When I was a kid, my mom bought me a nightlight. Now, because I've always been a night person... I appreciated having just that little bit of light so that I could either read in my bed or play 
with my toys. But ever since then, I've basically slept with some kind of light on at night because I just don't like it when it's completely dark. That's one thing if it's a little dark, but, but for, for, for me to, in the middle of the night, open up my eyes and not be able to see anything is just something I'm not very comfortable with. So I've always had some kind of nightlight. Have you ever been in complete darkness? I mean, complete darkness. Now, usually what we call darkness there's still a little bit of light. So in places like Baltimore or Philly, where I'm from, where you got street lights, there's still, you can still kind of make out some things. But have you ever been in complete darkness? Well, this verse is teaching us that the word of God is as necessary for spiritual life as light is necessary to move around and navigate in this world. Apart from the word of God, we are in utter darkness. Now, before I talk about what scripture is necessary for, I need to talk about what it's not necessary for. So that's going to, that's going to frame my talk today. Two points. The first is what scripture is not necessary for. And then the second is what scripture is necessary for. So first, what scripture is not necessary for. One thing that scripture is not necessary for is to live natural lives apart from God. It's not necessary to have scripture to live a natural life apart from God. Now, we know that there's been many civilizations that have sprung up without any knowledge of scripture whatsoever. There's been many people in the past and present who live and work and are educated and build things and make art and do business and have children and grandchildren and live their entire lives and then die without ever coming into contact with the scriptures. This is one of the questions that Job wrestled with. So in Job 21 verse 7, he says, why do the wicked live, reach old age, and grow mighty in power? Their offspring are established in their presence and their descendants before their eyes. And then he goes on to say, they say to God, depart from us. We do not desire the knowledge of your ways. What is the almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we get if we pray to him? So Job is wrestling with this, this reality that there's people who live their entire lives and not only live their lives, but they prosper in their lives and they don't know God, and they have no desire to interact with the things of God. I remember a documentary about Jay-Z where the Bible came up, and Jay-Z said, I ain't read the Bible a day in my life. And he said it kind of proudly, like I've never even, not a day in my life have I read the Bible. Well, think about all that somebody like Jay-Z has done in this world, what he's been able to accomplish in music, in business, all without ever having read the Bible. So those are natural things that you don't need scripture for. But then the Bible is also clear that there's certain things, spiritually speaking, that we don't need the Bible for. 
And we really see this in Romans chapter 1. So hold your finger in Psalm 119 and turn over to Romans chapter 1. Because in Romans 1, it deals with people who are apart from special revelation. That is, they don't have the law like the Jews in Romans chapter 2. So these are people without the Bible. And listen to what Romans 1, 18 says about these people. It says, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So there's a number of things that we see in this passage that it's clear that there's certain things that we don't need the scripture for. First, we see that we don't need the scripture to know that there is a God. You don't need the Bible to know that there is a God. Verse 19, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. So there's a knowledge of God that God makes plain and clear even to people who do not have the Bible. This verse is teaching us that there's no such thing as an honest atheist. Everybody knows that there's a God. Verse 21, although they knew God. But what unbelievers do is suppress that truth about God, verse 18 says, by unrighteousness. So even in the person that doesn't acknowledge God, the knowledge of God is held down because in our natural state, we would rather sin than pursue God. Another thing is, it's, we don't need the scripture to know particular things about God. Particular things about God. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. This is known as the light of nature. So there's things that we can know about God, particular things, simply by looking at the world around us. Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. So every single day there is a sermon written in the sky. And that sermon says God is beautiful. God is creative. God is powerful. God is wise. And that's a sermon that plays on repeat. 24-7, every single day, all you have to do is look up. So we don't need the scripture to know particular things about God. The next thing we see here is that we don't need the scripture to be guilty before God. You don't need the Bible to be guilty before God. Verse 20 says, so they are without excuse. So because God has revealed himself, because he speaks this sermon from the sky every single day, what this passage is teaching is that nobody is going to be able to stand before God on judgment day and say, but I didn't have the Bible. That's not going to be enough to get anybody to allow anyone to escape 
the judgment of God. But then we also see that we don't need the Bible to be condemned by God. You don't need the Bible to be condemned by God. Verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Our God is a God who expresses his wrath every single day. There are people who live and die and, and, and go to hell suffering the wrath of God without ever having encountered a word of Scripture. So we do not need the Bible for God to justly condemn people. So that's the light of nature, and it's also by the light of conscience we know that there's a God. Let's consider what Scripture is necessary for. What Scripture is necessary for. Well, first, it's necessary to be saved from the wrath of God that we just spoke about. If we're going to be saved from the wrath that God speaks about in Romans 1.18, we need the Bible. So while looking up at the sky is enough to leave us without excuse, it's not enough to save us. So we can't look at the ocean or look at a tree and be saved. In order to be saved, we need the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, Paul says, the Apostle Paul says to his disciple Timothy, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from, what, from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. When he's speaking about the sacred writings, he's speaking about Scripture, special revelation, the Bible, and the Bible is able to make us wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Why is this? Well, it's only in the Bible that we learn that God is holy, 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 and that the whole earth is filled with his glory. You can't learn that by looking at a caterpillar. <laughs> it's only in the Bible that we learn that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can't know that by looking at a jellyfish. It's only in the Bible that we learn that God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day, that God will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. You can't learn that by looking at the sunset. It's only in the Bible that we learn that while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And that God shows his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You can't learn that by looking at an elephant. It's only in the Bible where we learn that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. You can't learn that by looking at the Planet Earth DVD. As dope as Planet Earth is, I love that show. It's only in the Bible that we learn that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That whoever believes in Jesus, though he die, yet shall he live. You can't learn that by looking at the Discovery Channel. 
And so if we're going to be saved from the wrath to come, we must have the scriptures. Not only are the scriptures necessary to be saved from the wrath of God, but the scriptures are necessary for the believer to grow in the grace of God. They're necessary for the believer to grow in the grace of God. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. How does that transformation happen? How does that renewal happen? It happens through the scriptures. As we encounter God's word, his law, his promises, what he's decreed, as we encounter these things and internalize these things and believe these things, God does the miraculous work of sanctification. That is, he transforms us more and more increasingly into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that comes through the scriptures. One of the clearest passages that speaks to this reality of the the word of God, the necessity of the word of God in the life of the believer is Galatians chapter 3. So in Galatians 3 verse 1, the apostle Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? This, this is a rhetorical question, right? <laughs> right? So, so did you receive it by works of the law? No. <laughs> or by hearing with faith? Yes. Right? But he continues. Well, are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You see the point that he's making? The point he's making is that it's not just we have the word of God and and we believe what God has said and that gets us into Christianity, although that's true. But it's also as we continue in our walk, we continue to hear the word of God. We continue to believe the word of God. We live lives of faith and lives of repentance. And as we continue in that way, God does the work of making us more and more like Jesus. Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He continues, he says, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? No. Or by hearing with faith? Yes. So as we continue to hear the word of God on a regular basis, as we continue to believe the word of God on a regular basis, God does miracles in our lives. So we need the word of God to, uh, to grow in God's grace. Not only that, we need the word of God to walk in God's wisdom. We need the word of God to walk in God's wisdom. In Psalm 119, verse 130, it says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. That's what God's word does. Does anybody need wisdom this afternoon? I know I do. I need wisdom. And that wisdom is going to come from God's word. One just just practical illustration of this. So just consider this. Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, where there's no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. That's just practical wisdom. In an abundance of counselors, there is safety. One of the things I say is that 
when I have an important decision to make, besides praying, we certainly want to pray, we certainly want to search the scriptures, one of the best things that we can do, that I can do, is find five people who are filled with the Spirit of God and who know his word and just run it by them. And what I've always said is that if five people are all telling me basically the same thing, now not, not, not just five, any old bodies, but five people who know Jesus, five people who know the Bible. If those godly, spirit-filled five people are telling me the exact same thing, okay, amen. I, I trust that I'm hearing from the Lord. That's, 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 just, that's just wisdom. Foolishness is thinking that we can just kind of counsel ourselves and think on our own and come to the right conclusions about important things in life. That's foolishness. Practical example, to walk in God's wisdom, we need the word of God. These things are not just individual. So it's not just me and my Bible tucked away in a corner somewhere. But it's as we walk out the, these realities amongst the, the community of faith with the people of God that we're able to do this. These things are walked out in community as we use the Bible to encourage one another. As we use the Bible to challenge one another. As we use the scriptures to exhort one another. This came home in a very real way just recently at our church. So at our church, we have, uh, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a young man who was walking in sin. And we, the, the elders had to bring this young man up for church discipline. And so at our members, we had a members meeting at our church. And the elders walked through the particulars of some of what was happening in this, in this young man's life. And it was clear that this young man had rejected counsel. He had rejected the counsel of the elders. And he was determined to walk in a path of, of sin. And it was, it was blatant types of sin. And so what the elders, how the elders instructed the congregation is the elders said, this is what's happening. And if he continues in this path, what we're going to have to do is excommunicate him from the church. And so the elders instructed the congregation, so what you need to do is in this, in this time before our next meeting, you need to reach out to this brother as a church. Reach out to him, exhort him from scripture, exhort him, let him know what God's word says and, and encourage him to repent and to turn from his sin. And that's exactly what happened. The people who had relationships with him began to reach out to him, began to send him text messages. He wasn't responding to anybody's texts, but people kept hitting him up. Listen, this is what's happening. We love you. God loves you. You don't have to continue on this path of sin. Turn from your sin. We'll be here. We're here for you. And by the grace of God, this brother responded and he repented. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The word of God did its work. It did its work in his life. And I got a text message from him recently saying, praise God for his word and praise God for his people. Praise God that y'all didn't just leave me to go out and just destroy my life. This brother experienced the restoration of God. 
that came through the people of God applying the Word of God in his life. So we need the Word of God to walk in God's wisdom. Not only that, we need God's Word to know how the church should be ordered. We need the Word of God to know how the church should be ordered. It's from the Word of God that we learn that there should be elders and deacons in the church, right? First Timothy 3, that, that's how we know. That's how we know what the qualifications are for an elder. So we don't have to kind of blindly know, like, what, what does God expect out of a pastor? It's right there in the Word of God. We don't have to be blind about what does God, what is God concerned about in terms of the content of the songs that we sing. It's right here in the Word of God. So we need God's Word to know how the church should be ordered. Church discipline, right? Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians 5. We know how to walk in this way because it's clearly laid out in God's Word. So just, you know, as we, as we think about God's Word being a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, I think it can be easy for us, especially those of us who walk with the Lord for a while, to, um, to grow cold through familiarity, through, right? Because we've had the Bible for all this time. It can be easy for us to take it for granted. But just consider the things that we know, the major things that we know, all because we have the Bible, we know the, the major, the answers to all the major questions of life, the things that have philosophers bugging out and professors just, just perplexed. Christians know these things because of the Bible. We know how we got here. It's in the first verse of the Bible. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know what's wrong with the world. We know it. It's cursed because of Adam's sin. That's Genesis 3.17. We know what our main problem is, is that we all stand condemned before a holy God. We know that from Romans 5.18. We know what God has done to address our main problem. He sent his son into the world to pay for our sins. That's John 3.16. We know how a person can be saved by grace through faith in Christ. That's Ephesians 2.8 and 9. We know how the world is going to end, the day of judgment, Revelation 21, 12. All the major things that we need to know for life and godliness are found in the Bible. Amen. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, earlier I asked, have you ever been in complete darkness? Now, it's one thing to be in your room in the dark. It's another thing to be out and about in the dark. There's only a couple of times in my life where I've been out and about in complete darkness. So one was I went, before I was a believer, I was dabbling around with, with things like Buddhism. And one of the things that I did is I went on a retreat in New Mexico. Out, it's, it was out in the hills of, of outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it was a retreat for seven days where basically all the people at the retreat, it was, it was days filled with meditation and silence. So nobody talked for a whole week, a whole week. So we're having breakfast together. 
We're meditating together and ain't nobody saying nothing. It's all in complete silence. Well, one day or one night after one of the evening meditations, I was walking back to my cabin and I realized that I didn't have a flashlight. And it, it got so dark so fast that I couldn't see anything. Like, it, it was pitch black around me. So I had to kind of stop and just come to a complete halt. And I'm standing here and I'm like, okay, how in the world am I, about, am I going to make it back to my cabin because it's pitch black? And it's in that moment that I was ready to just do away with all protocol, all being silent and say, help! I need help! Somebody find me! Forget all that silent stuff. But out of nowhere, off in the distance, I saw this flicker of light, this light flickering. It was a small light. And it became clear, it was shaking, and it was getting closer and closer to me. And I realized it was somebody with a flashlight. And I was just like, I wasn't a Christian at the time, but something in me was like, hallelujah. Because I had no way <laughs> to get back to that cabin. So, <laughs> so that's one example. Another example is I was in South Africa in 2003 and on a missions trip, a short-term missions trip. And after the, the, the main part of the missions trip was over, there was this offer for us to go on a safari. And I said, okay, all right, that's what's up. I like the Discovery Channel. Let's, let's do the safari. But then they said, but it's a nighttime safari, though. <laughs> so, so the best time to encounter the animals is at night. <laughs> Now, there's a part of me at that time when I hear that it's at night that I'm like, I don't know. I'm a little, a little skeptical about that. But, okay, I'm in South Africa. You only live once. So, so, I'm, so we're in, we're in the, the, the truck and riding around. And he says, in order for us, the driver says, in order for us to not scare the animals, we actually have to turn the headlights off. <laughs> Yo. When he turned the headlights off, it was pitch black. It was, it was absolute, it was utter dark. I could not see anything. The only thing that I could see was the flash of light from the eyes of animals. So it was, it was dark and it was loud. From, from the insects and the animals moving around in the brush, so I'm just like, like, I don't know what's going on, but I, I've never been more frightened in my life to be in such a dark place, but yet have, have it be so loud and be able to hear all the commotion that's going on around me. Well, that's what life is like in this world. Apart from God's word, what the world at large is doing is groping around in the darkness. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In Matthew 22, verse 13, the Lord Jesus refers to hell as outer darkness. He says, in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In 2 Peter 2, 17, it refers to hell as the gloom of outer darkness. 
Just think about that. The gloom of outer darkness or utter darkness. Brothers and sisters, it's only the light of God's word that will save anybody from the utter darkness of hell. And it's because the light of the word points to the light of the world, Jesus Christ, that anybody is saved. So may we, by the grace of God, seek him regularly in his word and grow in the grace of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Father, we pray that you would help us to live by your word, to feed on your word, to regularly intake your word, and that we would not keep it to ourselves, but that we would share your word with others, that, that, that others may come to know the light of the world, Jesus Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for that. All right. I've got a couple questions for you. Okay. I get my breath for a second? Yeah, yeah. No, okay. take your time. Okay. Mind the way, I was going to say, those who persevere to the end, you guys are doing so great. Um, so thanks for sticking with us here today. Okay. Got my mic falling off. Oh, no, you're Is right. that, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Take your time. If you guys feel like you want to do stretch, I'm just kidding. Never mind. Let's start. Um, let's, uh, I'll wait for a second. Do okay. you want me to hold that? Yeah, okay. If you can hold this, that'd be good. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. All right. So first question, uh, what are some hindrances to believers in walking out the necessity of scripture? Hindrances to believers walking out the necessity of scripture. I, I, I think there's a number of hindrances, um, so I, th- I think, especially today, because there's so many competing voices out there, um, and I, I think particularly about about social media. So in, in social media, we have this reality of a whole lot of people saying a whole lot of things and sharing a whole lot of opinions. And if we're not careful, if we allow our, our intake of things like social media, um, our intake of, um, of entertainment even, when, when we allow that to, to be more than our intake of scripture and our intake of the, the mind of Christ as it's found in, in God's word, then I think, I think we're in a, in a very dangerous place. So, um, so I think that's one hindrance, uh, just the, the amount of voices that are out there competing for our attention with the word of God. Um, and another thing I would say is a hindrance is laziness. Um, so I've, I've just found that in my, in my own life, um, just the, um, you know, I don't feel like reading God's word um, or I'm reading God's word and it, it's, it's not um, exciting me like I want it to excite me. And so, so I don't persevere. And that, and that comes from, from spiritual laziness. So that's something that must be uh, that, that we have to fight against as well. So those would be two things. Thanks. 
you shared some practical ways when you said that um, when you were trying to make a wisdom decision, kind of glean wisdom from five people who are not just know Jesus, but are actually walking filled with the Spirit. Could you give some more practical ways on how we can apply your message? Yeah, so I, th- I think one just very, like, obvious practical example is read the Bible every single day. <laughs> So, so don't let a day go by where you're not interacting with the Word of God. You know, when we, when we think about the, the other things that, so the things that we perceive to be necessities, we do them regularly, right? So, so we, like, we eat every day, right, unless we're fasting, because we see, we see eating, it's necessary. It's necessary for me, uh, for me to continue living. I have to eat every day, um, well, how, we need the word of God more than we need food, right? Um, and, and so, so just, just the, the simple discipline of setting time, uh, uh, setting aside a time when we're engaging regularly in God's word. So that, so that would be one practical thing. Um, another thing is, would be scripture memorization, um, g- giving ourselves to the discipline of scripture memory. That's, that's I, I can say for, for myself that, that memorizing God's word, I don't, I don't know that there's any other spiritual activity that's, that's reaped more fruit and benefits in my life than, than scripture memory. Um, and, and because that's something that can be challenging to do on our own, um, one thing that I would recommend is finding a partner. So finding a brother or sister and say, yeah, can, we, can we memorize, let's, let's memorize a passage together. Um, and, and what I found is that as I've connected with with a, a brother to memorize the, the, the word that um, the Lord has just used that regularly, regular coming together, encouraging one another in that specific way. Um, he's used that uh, greatly as well. So th- those would be two things. That's great. Thank you. When you were speaking about um, the necessity of scripture, that comes from a presupposition that someone even believes in that. How do you talk to someone who, who is a Christian or not, who, who does not Right. Is oh, okay. and not, maybe give us both, okay. uh, who does not believe in the necessity of Scripture. Okay. Um, so so for, the, for the, person, let's, the person who's not a believer, um, so in, in evangelism, let's say. Um, yeah, there's been many times I've encountered someone and, you know, you start talking about the gospel or you start talking about the Bible and say, well, I, I don't believe the Bible, right? So, so what do we do uh, in, that, in that case? And... So, so one thing is, though a person may not believe that this is God's word, because it is God's word, there are truths that govern their lives, whether they believe it or not, right? Um, and, and it becomes important to, um, to engage with them on the things that they already believe that are lined up with God's word. So, so for instance... You believe in right and wrong, though, right? Okay, you don't believe the Bible, but you do believe that there is a right and there is a wrong. Well, well, where does that come from? Where, where does the idea of right and wrong come from? Um, okay, you say that you don't, you don't believe in the Bible, but, but you do believe that there's a such thing as justice. You do believe there's a such thing as injustice, right? So, um, so if somebody, if somebody uh, you know, uh, falsely imprisons you or falsely imprisons your, your cousin, right? Like you're going to scream out like that's wrong, right? Well, where, where does that sense of justice come from? And, and, and begin to kind of walk back. And it's, 
it's, it's ultimately, if it's truly evangelistic, it's going to end up back in God's word. It, it may or may not be with the, uh, with the specific language of a specific text, but the, but the truth of it is, is always going to come back to that, right? So I, I think about in, um, in Acts chapter 17, right, the apostle Paul, he's, he's engaging with uh, these Greeks in Athens and, um, and he points out to them that, okay, you have these, these uh, idols, these, these uh, you know, monuments to the unknown God. Well, what you say is unknown now, I'm going to proclaim to you as known. And then what he does is he walks them back, back to the creation and walks through the fact that there's, there's a judgment coming um, and that God has, has appointed one to judge. Um, and, um, and so as, so as we interact with, with, with unbelievers, we, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't think that uh, we can't, like, we can't engage them with, with God's word, but it, it may just be how we go about getting around to it. But ultimately, we're going to have to end up, if they're going to be saved, like, like just talk about in the talk, we're going to have to end up at Jesus Christ. He died for sin. Trust in him, repent, turn from your sin, believe in him. So, Amen. Would you be able to pray for us as uh, we try to take and apply the message that you gave us for, for us today? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have not treated us as our sins deserve. You have not repaid us according to our iniquities. Lord, we need you. We are desperate for you. And God, we thank you for the Bible. Lord, would you help us? Would you protect us from the evil one? who seeks to undermine your word? Lord, would you protect us from spiritual laziness that would keep us from persevering and being diligent when it comes to your word? And Lord, would you even protect us from all of the, the non-scriptural voices in our culture that, that we would prioritize your word for our good, for your glory. Help us. Help us, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.